I'm Jim and this is On The Left Side, The Funny Football Show. The whole thing was put to bed the other day. Joe had done absolutely nothing wrong. No England player should ever be booed when they're wearing a shirt, ever. I don't get it. This week sums up pretty much everything that we've come to love about English football. We should be celebrating the Three Lions' record-breaking qualification to the European Championships by a young, talented team who scored a colossal 37 goals in eight qualifying matches. We should all be getting really carried away about the prospect of it coming home, wondering if you can get away with using all your annual leave in June next year and trying to work out if you can change the words to Three Lions to include a line about Harry Maguire's head. 63 years apart, Harry's head is... No, no. We should be doing that. But we're definitely not. In fact, the only song that's likely to get an England-themed reworking right now is Craig David's Seven Days, as the nation's media this week got into a right lather about a training ground bust-up between Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez. Going out to the On The Left Side crew, my boy Raheem, Joe Gomez, Jim Salverson and England. Liverpool beat Man City on a Sunday. Sterling got into a scrap on Monday. Southgate spoke to the press on Tuesday, who ran a story on their back pages on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and pretty much every day since, despite England managing to rack up 7-0 and 4-0 wins in the meantime. You know, it's almost as if large portions of the British press had been just waiting for Sterling to do something they could castigate him for, after having spent a load of time pretending to like him as a result of being called out for printing stories that were just a little bit racist in the past. It's almost like that. (coughs) So here's what happened. England met at their training camp just a few short hours after Liverpool sealed a win over Manchester City in the Premier League, a result which could be very telling in the title race. During the game, things got a little bit heated between Joe Gomez and Raheem Sterling and tensions clearly were still running high as the pair met in the England canteen where, apparently, Sterling attempted to get Gomez in a headlock. That's 5'5 Raheem Sterling and 6'1 Joe Gomez. The most worrying thing for me about this story is the state of Sterling's mental health if that's the fight he's choosing to pick. What followed was a weird run of statements, apologies, counter-statements and counter-apologies and statements apologising for apology statements, all of which were much more convincing than anything that Prince Andrew could come up with. But at the same time, it would seem just completely unnecessary given what actually happened was just a bit of handbags. My favourite statement came from the England manager himself, Gareth Southgate, who made this admission about his England team. I I love all of my players. Um, we're like a family, and all families have disagreements. Given how young the England team is right now and recent footballing scandals, I'd be slightly careful about expressing too much love for your players, Gaz. But I do like the family analogy. Sometimes people just have disagreements, and I'm sure that's just like any family. There'll be portions of the England camp that don't get on, but for the sake of family unity they try. Even if it's through gritted teeth, again at Christmas when we do everything exactly how you want it because you have no consideration for anyone else. And as per usual, I just sit there smiling, pretending to be thankful for the present, even though you've got me fucking socks again. Yeah, it's a pretty good analogy. 
Anyway, the upshot was that Raheem Sterling was dropped for the game versus Montenegro, which was no real punishment and which experts pretty much all agreed would make very little difference to the result. Charlie Nicholas, for example, again in his new role as chief Sky Sports predictor, having taken over from Paul Merson, was sure that England had plenty of strength and depth, a fact which he expressed in a way of which Merce would have been proud, i.e. cluelessly. Here's what he said. Sterling is missing, but Montenegro are coming to London to expect to get beat. Could Dele Alli or Callum Hudson-Odoi get a chance? It's an interesting question that Nicholas asks, but one that could probably be answered by the simple fact that Southgate hasn't picked Deli Alley for an England squad since June 2019, and he wasn't in this one either. So the answer is probably not. As I said, Mercer be proud. Even more shocking than an unselected Deli Alley wandering into the England midfield was the actual scenes in Wembley as they took on Montenegro when Joe Gomez walked onto the pitch. Interesting reaction here for Joe Gomez as his name is announced. One or two boos, you know. Yep, some England fans booed Gomez. They booed their own player. They booed the player who was attacked in the canteen, who then asked for Sterling not to be banned and who Sterling has publicly thanked for his personal handling of the situation. Somehow, to some knobheads, Gomez is the villain in this piece, which is mental. It's even more mental when you compare that reaction to the reaction of the Kosovan fans in the other game. Whilst England fans were booing their own players, Kosovan fans were waving St George's flags in their stadium and singing God Save the Queen in a tribute to the British troops who were amongst NATO forces deployed in the region in the 90s to help end the ethnic cleansing conducted by Slobodan Milosevic. Some things are just bigger than football. But on the other hand, I mean, Gomez did something that I don't really understand, mate, so I'm just going to boo him and give him some abuse. The knobhead. Boo! The Kosovans were extremely welcoming to the England team. The Kosovan management, a little bit less so. It's clear if uh, Sterling, as uh, if we remember the first game in England, has so much space... Uh, it's impossible to to stop him. Impossible. Only only as team we can we can do and we can find not so bad solution. Or we break the the leg, but it's not it's not our our steel. We are we are too too nice. We are a team very, very, very nice. If I was Sterling and I'd heard that, I would have gotten straight back into the canteen and given Gomez a roundhouse kick to secure another ban. It's just got a weird tone to it, hasn't it? On the face of it, it's quite innocent, but it feels like when you're telling someone not to go to any trouble for your birthday, but at the same time, you really want them to go right over the top. Yeah, the only way to stop Sterling is to break his legs, but we'd never do that. Do it! We are much too nice. We're not really nice. Break his legs. It turns out that Kosovo did struggle to contain Sterling and the rest of the England team for that matter, who completed their impressive qualification with many playing up their chances of European success next summer. As I said, it is easy to get carried away. Easy for most of us. Not so easy for Roy Keane. 
Roy is a man who refuses to let joy blight his otherwise miserable existence, and after England's big win, he wasn't going to let any easy triumph over the opposition affect him tearing pieces out of England's midfield, with his target trained particularly on Declan Rice. So Declan Rice has got a great opportunity here, hasn't he? What does he need to add to his game to be, to be undroppable, as it were? Well, where he needs to improve, there's plenty of aspects. When you think about him over the last few months, he's had a lot of praise. I've looked at him pretty closely. I've worked with him when he was obviously in the Irish squad. Um, where he needs to improve, where do you want me to start? His positional play. I don't think he's been consistent enough. He doesn't stay with runners. He's sloppy in possession. I can go on. Anything you do like about him, Roy? His hair, maybe? Of course, this criticism will have absolutely nothing to do with Rice picking England ahead of the Republic of Ireland at international level, would it? I mean, I can't see Roy being a man who holds a grudge over that kind of thing. I mean, I remember his very fair and reasonable interview from back in May. Can I ask you how surprised you were to hear David Gold challenge Manuel Pellegrini to turn Declan Rice into an England international? Um, Well, it's going to be pretty difficult if he's Irish. And he is Irish. First for Ireland, yeah. He's given every indication that Ireland is where he wants to play. Yeah, because he's Irish. <laughs> where else would he want to go? If you had a choice, Ireland or England? Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Ireland. Do you want to tell him or shall I? Mm-hmm. He just stopped short in that chat of claiming that Declan Rice wears shamrock pyjamas and cuddles the Blarney Stone at night. It's also worth tempering Roy's criticism of Declan Rice by remembering that at Rice's age, Keno had just left the League of Ireland First Division to join up with Nottingham Forest, rather than, for example, playing his second season in one of the world's best football leagues. So... At the end of the day, he has selected England, and that is bad news for Ireland. England took your potatoes, and now they've taken your rice. Although, from the way Keno sees it, maybe that's good news. Right, that's it for On The Left Side. Thank you very much for listening. I will be back next week with another dose of football funny. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Just write a few words. Just say Jim's really funny or the sound effects make me giggle or whatever it is you like about the show. Let us know about it via the review system and click subscribe. So next time we do one of these shows, you'll get it delivered as soon as it's ready. See you next time. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson.